answering your tough financial questions for the past 26 years. It's Allworth's Money Matters with co-hosts Scott Hansen and Pat McLean. Welcome to Allworth's Money Matters. I'm Scott Hansen. I'm Pat McLean. Thanks for being part of the program today. Both myself and my co-host here, we're both financial advisors. We need a better name for ourselves than financial advisors. What, what, <laughs> what, what do you think it should be? I just don't like that name because it could be anything. Financial advisor, I could be part-time uh, financial product salesperson and call myself a financial advisor. Well, here's what, we're a certified financial planner. Chartered financial consultant. But does that really say what we do? So I know a gentleman, uh, what's he call himself? A financial life coach, something like that, which. Then it sounds a little kind of too much. Yeah. What is a life coach anyway? I, I don't, I kinda, uh, don't okay. call and say. I don't, I don't really. I've seen know. some people whose personal lives are I did train see wrecks. Little Miss Sunshine, though. <laughs> the movie. Oh, he was a motivational speaker. <laughs> that was a great movie. That was a funny Probably movie. Probably a very low budget and had some very offensive uh, yes. scenes in it. And if you can step back from some of the language and just appreciate people from who uh, they are. So my wife and I have a hard time watching movies together because my wife is very conservative on some of those issues. And um, I, I'm like, I, she just... just um, yeah. Well, she's probably she's very helpful for me on those issues. Cause, so but, what should we call ourselves? If we're not financial advisors, we give financial advice. Anyway, so we, we, the fact is, this is a radio program that we've been doing for a couple decades to help people with their finances. We've been practicing advisors for decades, and we are here to help you as well. So we come to you with this program every week to give you some our view on the world of finances. Watch you let let us watch let you watch us or listen to us as we navigate through somebody's own financial life as when their questions come to us through the calls. And um, that's, that's pretty, pretty much what this pretty much is. It, it's that simple. When we take calls, people call us up. They call 833-99-WORTH. They call 833-999-6784. And then they ask questions. They're like, hey, should I pay this mortgage off? Or does it make sense to retire these student loans or how should my 401k be allocated? Social security, estate planning, those types of questions. Can I afford to retire? Yes. Which is that, that is the, probably the biggest questions you get. How much, well, actually they ask it differently. How much money do I need to retire is how people will normally phrase it. And the answer is depends on how much you spend is how much you need. And an assumed rate of return and an assumed distribution rate. But there's no magic number across the board. Some people need needs a strong word. Yeah, millions of dollars, and some people can do it on a on a much smaller number. That's what sometimes you hear about like these really high profile people that get divorced and you hear about the spouse's support of being eighty grand a month or something like that for the or this child support being something forty grand a month for child yeah. support and you're like how, how do you that? spend forty thousand dollars a month for a kid yeah and sometimes my kids feel like it's forty thousand a month but forty uh, yeah that's a little bit but I don't live in that world nor Not, do I want to I guess it's when you have I, your own private jet for the kid or something I don't know the kid uh, has his own jet I don't, I don't know I don't have my own jet I don't have my own jet yeah. no no I have friends that have had jets and uh it it's it's mixed. Uh, it's about half of them have. Uh, even when I say they have their own jets, it's normally not them, but there's a combination of people, and they use it for business as well as. Oh, I've known people just for pleasure too. That's a very expensive hobby. Yes. Yeah. I don't play that too. No, I mean anyway, we're gonna take some calls and um, love to take your call. And if you want to join us, the number to be part of the program here at Allworth's Money Matters, eight three three ninety nine Worth. And by the way, Allworth is the rebranded name of Hanson McLean. Scott Hanson and Pat McLean still very much here, um, both Actually, on the program and uh, in running the company. On a day-to-day basis. Yes. So, um, eight, but, three. So, so the reason we mentioned that is because people, uh, there's like, so what happened to Hanson and McLean? We're like, we're here. We're here. We just thought that the name Allworth better reflected uh, what we do for our clients. 
Yeah, and a little more all-encompassing for both our clients and our uh, employees that make up this great organization. So let's uh, take some calls. We're starting with Denver and talking with Mike. Mike, you're with Allworth Money Matters. Hi, guys. Thanks for taking my call. Yeah. Um, I have a question uh, kind of in a dilemma. I'm in the red zone uh, getting close to my retirement. I'm 56. I got about seven years. I'm a public uh, educator, so I have a really nice uh, PERA pension plan. Um, I'm currently maxing out my 401k. My question is, should I shift that strategy and try to pay off our mortgage rather than worry about paying taxes on on the, the TSA well, you, down the road? Well, we love people getting to retirement with home paid off. Um, do you plan on staying in the same house when you retire? Yes. And how much is the value of the home? Uh, the home's worth about six fifty, and the balance is about four fifty. And what's the interest rate on that? Uh, Three point eight five. So you're probably never going to have this home paid off. Yes. So what then you do is you just try to manage it for cash flow. Have you attempted to pay anything extra on this? Uh, no, I'm just at the point now where I could. And what do you, what do you have in your retirement plans? Uh, we have, uh, we have 401ks and then we both have the the educator pension plan, PERA. And the PERA, how much, what percentage of your pay is that going to make up at retirement ballpark? Um, about 80%, 75 to 80%. And are you social security eligible? I am. Yes. Oh, I wouldn't worry about paying off the mortgage. <laughs> wouldn't wouldn't worry about it at all. Your net cash flow will actually. If, if what you told us is accurate, if your pensions are going to be eighty percent of what your salary is, your cash flow is going to be greater after it, you retire. It's going to be better after you retire than it is working. So, if in fact it's true that eighty percent of your income will be made up by your pensions, right, and that you're actually Social Security eligible. If you look at what you're actually putting towards your FICA uh, taxes right now and your 401k contributions. And and any pension contributions you've got. You net that out. You shouldn't worry about paying off that mortgage. What you should worry about is keeping that mortgage payment as low as possible. But what do you have in your 401k? What's the value? Uh, Combined. Between the two of us, about 70000 yeah, I like the idea of you having some more savings. Yes, you need more savings. So, so you I wanna... like that. I like doing exactly what you're doing. Max out those 401ks. You're going to hit retirement. Just because just we say we love – you know what I love more than a home paid off in retirement? I love a big pension. <laughs> so, right? <laughs> right? So that's what – you're going to get to retirement. You know, in a perfect world, you've got a pension. You've got millions in the bank, and you get a home paid off. But that's all right. But you're going to hit retirement. You're going to have – more your your take home pay in retirement is going to be greater than it is today. So if you can afford the mortgage payment today, you can afford it then. Hmm. I, I I would rather you save in your four hundred one k, and so you end up with a pretty yeah. good buffer there. I wouldn't even worry about I wouldn't even worry about paying down that if, mortgage. If you have extra, if you're maxing your four hundred one k and you have extra cash, then I'd apply it against the mortgage. Okay. All right. Okay, that was my question. Thank All you, man. Right, glad I you called. It. And Appreciate you know what's interesting? There, there are times when I would have we would have given the exact opposite advice. Focus on paying the mortgage. With people without a pension. Oh, that's correct. <laughs> that is absolutely. I you was looking those- at you, going, "Well, that would I, that that advice was consistent with what his needs were." Yes, but had he had no pension, we probably would have I said would, we would have told him to sell the home and downsize. He can't afford that home if he had no pension. Okay, well, fair enough. Everything else being equal, if all he had was $70,000 in an account, a $450,000 mortgage on a $650,000 home, that home was too much for his income. But it isn't because his pension was so low. And I tell you, one of the reasons I think people benefit from working with a, a good financial advisor, not just, but a good financial advisor, is because every situation's unique. And your next door neighbor, your coworker, your best friend, even if you have similar asset levels, similar income levels, you might you might be doing two totally different things coming financially. Absolutely. Every situation is unique. Absolutely. Every portfolio is going to need, needs to be taken into consideration, everything else going on in your life. I mean, it's every situation is unique. 
Let's continue on with calls. Again, our number to be part of the program, 833-99-WORTH. We're talking with Chris. Chris, you're with All Worth Money Matters. Gentlemen, thanks for taking my call. Yes. Um, so I have a couple questions, but the first one is I am the executor and successor trustee of my aunt's estate and trust. She passed away in 2017. And one of the – we're getting ready to wrap up the, uh, the estate portion of it uh, because she didn't have – any beneficiaries title to a decent sized IRA oh, at gosh. the probate process. <clears throat> so that's been going on for about the last year. But um, so now we're to the point where it looks like uh, the assets will be able to move into the trust. And because it is an IRA and she was uh, over 70 and a half and taking her RMDs, um, several of the beneficiaries uh, are wondering can we roll that over into an inherited IRA? And if so, what's the best way to do that? And um, not now because she was already taking the, taking the RMDs. I guess then, do we take RMDs based on her life expectancy, or can we roll those over? So you future? you you. But you said earlier that it had been paid. The IRA had been paid to the estate. Did you say that? No, it hasn't. The IRA okay. been sitting basically. Okay, it's it's been sitting. So so what happened was the intentions were. My aunt had a trust written up. So it's it, 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 it's it's at this point it, it's it's really dependent on how the trust document was written, and that's gonna you're gonna have to follow legal advice because there are some trust documents that are written in such a manner that would enable these to continue, uh, and there are some that that will not. And so there's sometimes I've seen where the trust has to be distributed within. I mean the IRA has to be distributed within five years. I mean, this was bad planning on your aunt's part. She should have had the beneficiaries listed or a special no, for sure, for a special sure, yeah. trust that, for the beneficiaries. Yeah, I mean, so basically so basically, what's happened is this. So she had a trust. And so what does your attorney tell you? So so basically, the attorney's uh, asking me to get independent advice. So she's just an estate attorney. She doesn't provide the tax planning portion of it. I've seen uh, uh, CPAs and accountants, and they're all, yeah, you can just roll that over into an inherited IRA because it's already in an IRA. It's my aunt's IRA. Yes. It's part of the estate and not the trust. Got it. How big is the IRA? Uh, it's about 540000 How many beneficiaries are on there? Uh, so of, of that portion of the IRA, there's going to be approximately six. I'm sorry you're in this position. Because this is, it, oh, it, sure. yeah, and it's a mess here. And so here you've got this oh, estate yeah. attorney who should know this or do the research, and she's like, eh, sorry, I can't help you but, there. So, so Scott, let's walk and through I'm this. I'm thinking so, about from a mechanical standpoint. Yeah, so what, a, the only way firm, you would want this to happen is that the dollars actually uh, go to each one of the people individually, and some would elect to roll that into an IRA. Have it all go. No, you should have it all go into the – everyone sets up an IRA after that Individually. Point, they, yes. Beneficiary IRA. Yeah. Ant's names listed on it. Yep. They're listed as beneficiary. Beneficiary. It all goes to those, uh, all six yep. of them, and then at that point in time, the people can decide whether they want to distribute it or not. Okay, but so, I'm not an so attorney. Now. I'm not an attorney, and I know. But I assuming that the assuming that the trust document is allows for this. That is how yes, you would do correct. it. That is correct. So, and we don't yeah, obviously. I don't, think, don't, I don't know. think that's an issue. I I don't think that's an issue because. Um, and I'm trying to think here. It's been a couple of years since I really went through all the details of the trust. Who's the, where's the IRA held? It, uh, it's at Wells Fargo Advisors. Okay, so then the question you'd have for Wells Fargo Advisors is what documentation do you need to have this thing split yep. up into six? And then you could say, here's – Was there has there been a court order on anything? Well, no. So that's basically – we go to court uh, the first part of October to have the assets officially moved into the trust. Because currently there's there there's there's two entities, right? I have the trust, and then I have the estate. Because yeah. those assets were never titled. Because in California, I, I mean, this has been going on for like I said, two and a half years. Um, I was able to marshal a lot of assets that she did not have uh, beneficiaries on under the small estates affidavit. Yep. And so I was able to move those into the trust. But anything over like 150 grand had to be done through the probate process. Got it. So, so that's basically the things that didn't have uh, that she didn't have 
beneficiaries on. I mean, there was other stuff. There was you know, personal so, property, so, homes, all that. We've already taken care of all that. And, all right, here's our concern. You just recognize that the rule has to be that the money has to come from the decedent IRA directly to the beneficiary IRA. It cannot stop anywhere else. The minute it stops right, somewhere right. else, and, 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 that's done. And that was my biggest concern was so then – I mean, basically, the easiest way to do it is just keep it all with Wells Advisor. That's okay, right. That's 100%. That's 100% so, yeah. and, and say, look, here is uh, here are the six beneficiaries. Uh, open an account for each one of these beneficiaries and then divide the IRA uh, separately among those six. And then each one of those people is on their own in terms of required minimum distribution. See, I don't know if you're going to – I don't know if someone's going to require a court order stating them to do that. That's what I don't know. Well, that's going to be up to the custodian, which is Wells Fargo, what they're going to accept. You're going to have yeah, to. Yeah, I mean, r- really, I mean, I don't need a court order to, to do the transaction, right? What I need the court order for is to have. Oh, wait, 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 wait a minute. You're Wells, think of Wells Fargo's advice or any other financial company. A person yeah. dies. They like, well, our beneficiary form states here it's the trust. So tell me now how I'm supposed to distribute this. So, and it, like I said, there are some trusts that are written in such a manner that they allow for uh, uh, beneficiary IRAs and some that do not. Yeah. And, and I don't if, think any language in the trust is, is written that way. I, I would remember that. I think specifically there's, there's no mention of like, a I don't think it's, I don't think it's necessarily yeah. wording in there. It's a, it's a technical structure of the trust. So the oh, okay, answer to the question is it's going to be up to the custodian to decide whether and, they're going to allow this to happen or not. Yeah. And what they're going to require. If you're a state attorney, you might want to. Yeah. Anyway, state that's, attorney that's where you want to go. All right. Believe me, I've I've cried and, a river on that one. So, okay. and I hope you're I, 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 I hope you're taking the fee for the, the, the amount of work you're doing. You know what? But at the end of the yeah, day, let me. Unfortunately, I'm too nice of a guy. So, but, but, but let's step let's step back for a second. What's the income yeah. level of these people that are actually um, that are? Uh, you know, it, it's kind of a wide a wide range, but for the most part, no one really uh, needs the money. So uh, to complicate matters worse, so. So basically, my aunt, when she passed away, so her husband predeceased her by 25 years. She had no children. And so uh, her nieces and nephews were basically her, her, her children. She had six nieces and nephews, three from her brother and three from her sister. Okay. So my brother, who is also a named beneficiary in the trust, predeceased, uh, is, is uh, died prior mm-hmm. to my aunt passing away. Got it. So the way the trust is written up, then his daughter, as his descendant, gets his portion. Yep. So she's college age. So she probably needs the money, and um, everyone else is. We're all in our uh, mid to late. I know what I'd do. Yeah, I just distribute it. Do? I'd distribute it. Now, yeah, I, I mean, I mean, I'm thinking that. How much was the IRA? It was five hundred thousand. There's six beneficiaries. Eighty thousand, eighty-three thousand dollars a person. Well, you can distribute it over multiple years. You can keep it in the trust and have it distributed over a couple of different tax years. Yep. Yeah, we could, I mean, I was just thinking, keeping it in. in yeah, I would try IRA to do that. I would find another attorney. Yeah, I would find another attorney. Yeah, it, I, don't, it, I, I would get. Uh, I would be very frustrated if my. I would distribute. I, I agree with Scott. I would distribute it over multiple years. The problem you're going to run into, quite frankly, too, is that the advisory firm's not going to put any energy into opening six accounts of eighty thousand dollars a piece for a bunch of beneficiaries, oh, no, knowing that they're going to leave the next day. Well, yeah, I mean, this is Wells Fargo advisors <laughs> down in Carmel, so I mean, yeah, we're. It's small yeah. potatoes for them. Yeah. So, so, but so yeah, okay. Well, I mean, that gives me a little bit of a roadmap. I would, I would, I distribute it probably over a five year period directly to the beneficiaries and keep it in the IRA. That's how I, I, I would, I would, I would hire, I'd find another attorney to, I would want an attorney to say, give me the exact process here. Then I want to ensure that I'm, I'm not confident it can get into beneficiary IRAs. Well, that's my point. And what? Well, no, Scott, that's kind of where I'm at. Scott, sure. I mean, yeah. and your attorney's not the legal counsel you have says, and, "Gee, I don't know." And the complicated, it, 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 it we're talking now second generation. Yeah. Uh, so I know you one or two options. So you would say, you know what, guys, it's not enough money to worry about. We're going to have it distributed. The trust is going to pay it out over two tax years. Yeah. And but then you got to make sure you got to make sure you're falling. This is a bad place for you to be in, Chris. Anyway. I, I I tell you what though, Pat, if I was still in his situation, I'd get a different attorney. I'd get a different attorney. Yeah. I would be very frustrated with, um, with that attorney. So, so they're state planning attorney for crying anyway, out loud. Appreciate the call. Yeah, I'm. I don't think we helped at all. There. Well, yes, we did because our listeners, you out there, hopefully, there's some other people that are thinking maybe I need to get my state in order because they're getting a glimpse of the ch- challenges that can that can. Be okay, caused. so we we 
We helped other people. We didn't help Chris. Oh, no, not at all. <laughs> but we did give him our <laughs> we opinion. Give, we fired their attorney. We didn't, we didn't help Chris in the slightest. <laughs> he's now more frustrated than he was before. And now he's sitting there thinking, maybe I shouldn't be such a nice guy. Maybe for these hours and hours of headache I've had to go through, maybe I should take some sort of compensation. Because the rest of the family is just all going to wait for their checks. Yes. Well. Again, if you want to join the show, 833-99-WORTH. And we are with... Mike, Mike, you're with All Worth Money Matters. Hello, Ray. Thanks for taking my call. Hi, Mike. Hey, uh, hi there. Hey, I was thinking of uh, refinancing uh, my mortgage. Okay. Great time to do so. And Yeah, exactly. Hey, I currently have a um, first of about 319000 and It's about 14 years left on it. And... Uh, a second of uh, seventy seven hundred dollars with about two years left. Seventy seven hundred. Second, yes, yeah, seventy seven hundred dollars oh. left on the second. What's the interest rate on the first and the second? Uh, the interest rate on the first is five point eight seven five. Wow. And and the second is six and a half percent. And what's your credit score like? Uh, Mid seven hundred. What have you and been what's waiting your for? What's your question? Whether I should go ahead and uh, refinance in a 100%. minute, in a minute, Monday morning, seriously, right and now, should, it's a no-brainer. Should it be a, but should it be? Should I keep the second? No, because it's due. It's it'll be it doesn't paid matter. Off in it, two years. Okay, let's let's talk about this. Let's talk about this. So, on a home mortgage, and this is this is confusing for many. Okay, on a home mortgage, it's what's called a simple interest loan. And all that means is whatever the outstanding balance is, is what they're going to charge you interest on. People oftentimes get confused over the term of the loan, right? Mm -hmm. So don't pay any attention to the term of the loan. And what you, obviously what you're, what I like your thought here, Mike, because you're like, I don't want to take $7,700. That debt's going to be gone in two years and pay it off over the next 15, right? That's what's going through your head. Like, that's what I don't want. Totally get it. Yeah. So right. in a simple interest loan, whatever the outstanding balance is, is what they're going to charge the interest on. The, 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 you're going to pay interest on that. So all you worry about on a simple interest loan is the lowest cost of money, not the term of the loan. Because you can okay. prepay a loan down at any point in time that you wish. Okay. So all in right. this situation, what you want to do is get a 15-year. Maybe even a 10-year Mortgage. How old are you? I'll be, that's another thing. I'll be retiring in four years. Okay. Six, so, I'll be 66 oh. in December. Do you have any money in cash? Yeah. How much money do you have in cash? About uh, five, almost 10 grand. Okay. So, and are you going to be in this house long term? Uh, probably not. How long do you no. think you'll be there? Uh, probably a little after retire. In two if years, they, if everything stays, if everything, you know, goes this. You know what? I, I, I'd, I'd recommend a thirty-year mortgage on this thing. If you're retiring in forty years, year, are you maximizing your four hundred one k? Yeah. How much money do you have in your four hundred one k? I have. Uh, well, I have one IRA of about seven hundred. Okay. And then I have a four hundred one k. Of about ten grand. And what's the value of the home? Mm, it's close to between five hundred fifty and six hundred. Okay, yeah, do a thirty. I'd, do, I would do, do one of two things. Uh, well, no, I would do a. I would do a thirty-year. Here's what you're going to want to do. Here's is exactly okay. what if it were I'm in your situation. You're my brother. Is exactly what I'd do. I'd do a thirty-year mortgage that I'm allowed to what's called reamortize in the future. And so let's 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 just assume that let's assume your balance is three hundred twenty-five thousand. Right? So right. refinances and whatever you've been paying on your mortgages now, your first and your second, continue to make that same payment. So what that means is you're going to be overpaying what you need to be otherwise paying. So that 325 right. is going to start dropping way down in value much faster than if you're just making the minimum. Because you can always pay more than what's the minimum. So you want to do that. And right. then as you get as you get close to uh, is at retirement time, then you have the option of what's called re-amortizing. So you can go to the bank and say, hey, guess what? 
I now want to just take the minimum payment for the next 30 years. I'm going to 24, 26 years left on it. And they'll reset the payment, which gives you greater flexibility at retirement time. Because if you had no mortgage payment at retirement, you wouldn't need much uh, retirement income. But if you have a huge payment, now you need a bunch of retirement income. So the idea being is if you do stay in the house, if you do stay in the house. You get flexibility. You have a ton of flexibility and you don't even ever try to pay the home off. You're just trying to match. You're trying to get your mortgage payments as low as possible. Okay. So you want to refinance into a 30-year fixed rate, re-amortizable loan, and you want to do it as quickly as possible. Yeah, and I do it. I do it Monday morning. Um, right. And you, yeah, and, but and then after that, kind of do some plan. But that you want one that you can re-amortize. That's a key thing. And be careful. Get a couple of bids because your rate's so high. Someone's going to look at you like, man, wow, I, this is. I can save this guy a lot of money without giving him a great rate. Yeah. Right. <laughs> right. And and they get paid. Well, these mortgage brokers will get paid the higher rate that they charge you compared to what the market bears is the more uh, is commission the, they get. The spread. Yeah. So appreciate the call. That was good advice, Scott. I originally well, was going to <laughs> argue with you and go with the 15-year fixed rate until you brought up the reamortization. Well, thank you, Ben. <laughs> well, there, rel- my understanding is it's relatively new in the last five or ten years or so. The As reamortize? Yeah, the reamortize. Yeah. All right, we're going to take a quick break. Uh, if you'd like to join us, we would like to take some more calls after the break. So our contact contact number, 833-99-WORTH. This is All Worth's Money Matters. Can't get enough of All Worth's Money Matters? Visit allworthfinancial.com slash radio to listen to the Money Matters podcast. Welcome back to All Worth's Money Matters. Scott Hansen here. Pat McClain. And, um, and Scott, before we go to the calls, I want to kind of discuss... Um, th- this concept uh, around... Is this fin- something you've been working on, testing it out? Yeah, I've just been thinking about it, of, of how people interact with their own finances. How you interact and what people... Most people don't have total peace with their finances, by the way. Well, and part of it is how they approach it. It's part of it is how people approach money. First of I all... I don't always have total peace with my finances. Well, I, I, I don't... I don't think anyone well, that's does. That's my point, yeah. Some things I think I probably, maybe I should be paying more attention to this area or that area. Maybe I'm over, maybe I'm thinking about it too much or. But there's some parts of the portfolio you don't worry of, your finances you don't worry about. And that's what I'm talking about. So there's things in your financial life you can control. And it's not just the portfolio, it's the other things in lives, right? There's things in life, in your financial life that you can control. And there's things in your financial life that matter, Right. And there's things in life that, in your financial life, that you can't control. They just are what they are. And those might matter as well. Uh, they, 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 they do, but it's how you react to those things that you can't control. Like, so, I can't control if the Dow is going to fall 2,000 points next month or not. But you can control the amount of perceived risk or risk in the portfolio may, while you make I the investment. I can control how much stocks I have in the portfolio. You can, you can say, this is how much volatility... I am willing to accept for a higher rate of return. You can control that. That would be assuming that, yes, I can. And that would be assuming that I made a rational decision building my portfolio of looking at what risk means and what it means, what it could mean to me on a personal level. Exactly. That is exactly what my point being is this. So there's things that you can control. Once you have made that decision, that rational decision about the risk, and the assumed rate of return that you're going to get over a, a period of time, you don't come back and revisit that unless there's been a life change that causes you to either want to increase the risk in the portfolio or decrease the, decrease the risk in the portfolio. It wasn't the market itself that is going to cause you to change that allocation, correct? Cor- well, in, a, in a perfect world, yes. It, it, co- Assuming that you are a rational investor. Yes, but not everyone's a rational but investor. You, but time. you're a relatively rational investor. Yes. Okay. As about as rational as you can get, I would yeah. hope. Yes. So, And based upon looking at my last, how I've reacted over the last number of years, yes, I believe I'm a rational investor. So those are things you can control, which is your own emotion, and it's something that matters. So you focused on that. I can control my own emotions? Yes. I've taught my kids that, but... <laughs> no, no, but you can control... You can you get to control how you're going to react. My, I can control my reactions by by conditioning yourself to an expected event, right? 
In a perfect world, yes. Okay. I mean, that's yes, theor- theor- theoretically. So in financial planning, you should only focus on those things that you can control and that matter. That's all you should focus on. You should focus on your taxes. You should focus on how much you're actually saving towards retirement. You should focus on the risk in the portfolio, which you have control over. You should focus on how big the distributions are and where they come from. IRAs, Roth IRAs, brokerage accounts, other assets. You should focus on your estate planning, your Medicare supplements or health insurance needs, and where you live. Those are the key things that you should focus on that you can control, right? They matter and you can control. The things that you can't control, you shouldn't focus on. Day-to-day volatility in the marketplace, how taxes are going to change in the future. You know what this reminds me of? I don't know why. When you're talking about this, like not worrying about things you have no control over. Yes. So in the midst of the financial crisis, I might have told this before. This was in the latter part of, no, it was the latter part of 2008. Latter part of 2008. My dad had turned 70. And I told my dad uh, I'd take him to uh, Peru for a father-son time together. I'm the one only son. And, and as, a, as a birthday gift, you would bring him home once you got there. <laughs> That's my whole story. So we're down in Machu Picchu, Peru, which uh, it's actually not that expensive to go to Peru, by the way, if you think of some exotic vacations. Probably more, it's probably more expensive to go to Hawaii than going to Peru. So we're down in Machu Picchu, and this is right in the midst of um, the things are falling apart. Things are looking bleak. Uh, they're talking about the bailout package. And the I'm on a group, a small group, and there's a few other people also in financial services, which probably wasn't a helpful thing because we're all kind of – I knew I had zero control. Okay. I'm trying to enjoy looking at how these things were built. and who the- Civilizations that have been destroyed. <laughs> <laughs> Wondering if my own civilization is about to become extinct. Right. I hadn't thought about that. That's ironic. <laughs> But there, yeah, there's a bit of that. And there was a time when they're in the financial crisis that it's like, is this a game changer for everybody? And my dad, he's always got this kickback uh, view of life, which is always what I appreciate about him. Scott, relax. It's all going to work out. Like, what do you mean? It's all going to work out. Maybe not the way you like, but it's going to work out, right? And I'm like, well, dad, uh, you realize that without the finances, we wouldn't be able to fly, afford to fly home so or food. So there are some things that <laughs> do matter. That actually do matter here, Dad. And uh, But what did you focus on in the middle of the crisis? Your own behavior. You focused on the behavior, your behavior. Well, and my client's behavior, our that's, client's behavior. That's right. Because, more than anything. Because... Because we know that selling when things are down never makes sense. We can control that. What we couldn't control is the volatility in the marketplace. And what you prepare for volatility in the marketplace is not in the middle of the storm before the storm, right? This, and we use these tools in our own practice to say, this is the expected volatility in a particular portfolio. And when you have a disciplined um, approach like we had, uh, like during that time, which we still employ today, our individual managed asset program went through a rebalance because this is the discipline we set up. And it was in February of 2009, not quite at the mar- bottom of the market, but pretty dang close, where we did a rebalance and actually increased our stock exposure. Bought, in other words, bought when things were low. Because? Because of the disciplines and the plan that we had set up prior to the financial crisis. We knew how we would react. You know, well, we, we set aside the emotions and we had discipline behind it. Right. Which, which is, is when, something we could control. Which is something we can control. And it's when you control, when you can think, be clear-headed. And if you're working with an advisor, that's the kind of advisor that you need having the right kind of investment policy you've got for yourself as well. Anyway, we better take some calls because there's uh, people waiting for us here. To join the program, 833-99-WORTH. We're in California talking with Donna. Donna, you're with All Worth's Money Matters. Hi, thank you. Um, I've been listening to your program for about a year. Um, I'm 61. I have no children. I'm not married. And I'm going to be selling my house in California this spring 2020. It's completely mortgage-free. 
and I'm going to move to a cheaper area in Washington. I should net just over a million dollars. And I mostly want to retire. I'm willing to find some ways to create some small income. I'll be retiring a business that I currently have. I have 85000 in a Roth IRA, and I'll have about 70000 in cash. I'll have no debt, no pension. My Social Security at 62 would be about $1,000, and at 66 would be $1,300. And I'd like about 40000 to live on, the 4% rule, but I can reduce it in difficult times. Here's my question. I have lost substantial amounts of money over the past 20 years with financial managers. And I've been managing my Roth myself since 2015, and I have done pretty good. That don't I'm trust the, well that don't, that don't trust a financial manager. You know, our, 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 I mean, our industry, <laughs> well, unfortunately, Donna, our industry, you know, it's funny. I was, I'm going to be totally transparent. I was thinking this morning, um, I, 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 I that sound might sound a little crazy. I, I feel like I have a moral imperative to, to, to work at what I'm doing here. I really do because, and, and I'm going to be real transparent. I mean, I, I'm not working for the money anymore. It, it, more money is not going to change my lifestyle. Uh, you know, I practice what I preach. I'm prepared for retirement. I'm only 53, but uh, I, 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 when I hear stories like this, and we see them every day, they come in and visit with one of our advisors, and someone has taken advantage of someone's done a poor job with them, and it just um, um, it's over the last 20 years, you should have made a lot of money unless you actually got in the way of the financial advice. Well. Um, I'm going to tell you that I got a million dollars in a divorce in 97, and you can see I already told you what's in my Roth IRA, and the cash that I have is something I've made on my own. Uh, no, it was them. I did at times take it away from them when it was doing so poorly and you know, didn't kind of know what I was doing either. But I really think I, I've, I think I've finally gotten you know, oh my, my gosh. traction. And you've, did you spend, you spent some of, you spent some of it. Some of it. Well, to your and to Pat's point, I mean, look, I, most. T- but anyway, it's be- yeah. okay. It's anyway, so so, so, so are you to- are you going to purchase a home in in uh, the state of Washington when you move there? I plan on it, and I do have some other money that's going to be coming in. So that's a little side issue. But here's what I'm nervous about: um, following the markets fairly carefully. I know markets go up and down, but they mostly go up. And although the market hasn't done a whole lot since January 2018. I'm a little nervous about putting a million dollars to work. It's done a lot since January 18. It's done about 8% a year. Okay, so keep going. Overall? Yes, so keep going. Uh, So I'm just nervous about getting, like, at least that 4% and getting that account growing because I don't have a lot of, you know, cash. I mean, I have, like, maybe a couple of years. But I'm just I'm just really nervous about that and that I don't have a lot of wriggle wiggle room in the beginning for mm-hmm. if we have a really downtime because this is a nervous market okay. right now and I am going to have some drawdowns. So the uh, in your particular situation, I would I'd buy a new house immediately with cash. Okay. With I'd pay cash for it because then what? that's I was planning on it. That's yeah. your inflation hedge. And let's say that the house costs you what, what, what the house cost two hundred and fifty thousand three hundred thousand. Yeah, exactly. Okay. So then you've got seven hundred thousand, and then the rest of it eight hundred and fifty thousand. I mean, for seven hundred thousand managed well, you look. I mean, think of like say a four percent distribution rule, right? There's mm-hmm. twenty eight thousand there, twelve thousand Social Security. That should hit your target. Yeah, that should hit your target. And I would put, I'd build a portfolio of fifty fifty, um, and I would stick with that. So, and, and then draw down a. You, so what you want to do is, and I kind of with Pat, I so I wonder. I don't know if you were sold bad products that went south or you invested in 97. You had a couple of good years. The financial crisis, it wasn't the financial crisis. That is the dot-com crisis. The stock market fell from 10,000 to whatever it fell back in that time, the Dow. Mm-hmm. Uh, um, but if you compare where the Dow was in 97 to where the Dow is today or the S&P, today, and there's been tremendous gains. So I don't know how much of it was. Well, they were investing in individual stocks. Like I know you've mentioned before on the air with Ken Fisher, and he just lost me so much money oh, in, in 2008. Yeah. By 2013, I gave up on him. I, I actually left the firm with less money than I came in with in 2002. Okay, so in your situation, I'd wow. pay I'd pay cash for a house, 
And then I would take 50% of the portfolio and I would invest it in equities. I And if you were doing it yourself, rather than make it super complicated, I would buy the total market or and mm-hmm. put some international in there as well. And then I put the other 50% in bonds or in treasuries or something short uh, maturities. What you, what you might want to do is just interview a few couple financial advisors and get an asset allocation recommendation. Let them kind of talk through it. And if you don't want to use them, do it, set it up on your own. Yeah. And then, and then I would make sure that that stayed at 50, 50, which is if you were doing it yourself, you would go into there twice a year and reallocate the portfolio so that you were selling the things that had done well and buying the things that had done poorly and you make sure your distributions are coming out on a pro rata basis. And that's what I would do with those dollars. Yeah. And I would and stick with that. You're, I got to, uh, there's not a lot of margin in this for air. That is right. Right. That's what I'm concerned so, about. You should Until be concerned. I get a couple, two, three years in, then no, no. I'll have a little more wiggle room. Nope. Maybe nope. not. Maybe nope. there'll be a big bear market. Nope. Nope. You, you won't have that's any, true. you'll never have any wiggle room. That's why if you commit to this, you commit to a 50 50 portfolio, you stay that for the length of time. You're going to be your own worst enemy in this portfolio that no I question. just gave you because of how you react emotionally to the market. Because we're all human. We're all, everyone's our own worst enemy, so, this sort of thing. So, and I don't have a dog in this fight. There's nothing for me to win or lose in my recommendation, right? But what, and one thing that's tempting is the years that do well. You want to let like, it ride. Oh, people like, oh, I, I look at it. I've gained an extra 50 grand. Why don't I go spend it on somewhere? Or I don't need to reallocate the portfolio because it's doing, it's doing, so, it's well. doing so well. And the way this works is that you have to put it on your calendar twice a year to reallocate the portfolio to make sure that it has a 50-50 holding between equities. Or, heck, use a robo-advisor, one of those you can do that as well. things. I don't think those things are – anyway. So that's it's our recommendation. To the plan. It's, it's getting the right plan and sticking through it, the, the good times and the bad times, and not – when you have the good years, not taking those extra dollars, thinking, ah, this is a windfall. It's not. Those extra dollars are, are there the for cushion. the bad years. They're the cushion. So the bad years are going to come as well. Appreciate the call. And we're continuing on with calls here at Allworth, talking with Roy. Roy, you're with Allworth's Money Matters. Hey, thanks for taking my call. Yeah. Uh, my wife and I are nearing retirement. Um, we're both 62. Uh, we're going to try to make that full retirement age, uh, 66 and four months to get our full social security benefit. Um, my wife started working, uh, like most of us at 16 years old, uh, movie theater, retail, um, uh, office work, seamstress work. And then she, uh, went on to become a teacher. And uh, so now she's going to, um, get a, a pension as a teacher. And um, we come to find out that because of that, she'll only receive a small portion of her Social Security. Yeah, she says in Cal- she um, uh, is, is California teacher doesn't participate in Social Security. Yeah. So she hasn't paid into Social Security. In years. Uh, well, she did in years. Yeah, yeah right. Yeah, yeah. So well, get- I take that back. I take that back. Uh, a few years ago until the recession when I lost my, my moving business, uh, I paid her as an employee of the business. And so she did have Social Security income um, in, in those days. Uh, that was like up until, say, 2008. Um, okay. But she she received, she uh, put in the, the quarters to qualify for Social Security. We're expecting her to get her pension as a teacher and her pension and her Social Security benefits. Come to find out uh, there's some kind of a law, windfill. Windfall, windfall elimination provision, provision. The windfall yeah. elimination provision. And that, that just doesn't seem fair. She she worked all her the years. Well, she, uh, okay. What so what do we do? What's your? Do you have you a question? Do. Do you have I, a question I, I mean, for us? For and part of it, part of it is that it's this the the estimates that she's been re- had received was kind of like if you had contributed into Social Security over the years. But if you look at what she actually put into Social Security, it hasn't been that much. Yeah, and quite frankly, if you had a choice between taking Social Security and the pension that she's going to get from uh, CalSTRS. Uh, she's much better off with the pension. So you can be unhappy about the Social Security, but there's nothing you can do about it. So you just take it into nothing account. Nothing. No. Wow. Nothing. So she might want to wow. take when it. When is when are you guys retiring? It's sixty six. Well, um, she wants to go right now. I'm telling her to keep working because she makes a, a very good wage. Well, then keep, tell her to keep working until seventy, seventy five. 
80, maybe yeah. 85. Yeah. Have her work well, forever. For, for health reasons, you'll only be able We're to We're joking. We're, that's our point exactly. So if you, she can afford to retire, she may. You, if you can afford to retire comfortably and the numbers work out, maybe she retires early and you shouldn't get hung up on this full retirement age for Social Security. That's an arbitrary okay. number, frankly. It doesn't matter what it is. Okay. All right. All righty. Uh, Medicare is not arbitrary. Might... Uh-huh. <laughs> but, um, so, should... and, and she has to apply for Medicare when she hits 65. Is that true? Yeah. I, think, okay. yeah. I forget how many months, 10 months or something, nine months to apply. But you, yeah, you got to do it at 65. Okay. Well, All right. thank you for uh, making us feel better about it. Thank you. Yeah, I'm well, sorry. It's just it's just one of those things that is what it is. There's no way around it. There's no way around it. And you're not the only one who's frustrated, but that's just. I like the fact say. that they call it windfall. That always gets me. Well, that's what <laughs> I'm like pouring salt on an open wound. You're, you're like, a teacher. And, oh, you're yeah, like, you think oh, getting, oh, it's the windfall. Yeah, That's what I always think. Teacher, pension, windfall. You know, and it was interesting. Um, we kind of joked about having his wife work till 80 because people sometimes say, Scott, financially, when's the best time to retire? We don't know. Well, financially, never retire. Work to the day you drop dead. Yeah. Right. I mean, if you if your objective is to maximize your net worth, then if that's your number one objective. Don't live, have children. That's right. Don't have children. Don't live, get married. Live in the smallest house you possibly can live in, or better yet, a van down by the river. That's right. And, and any then, real estate, if it all rentals, all of it rentals. Never go out to eat. Yes. Shop at uh, secondhand stores. That's right. Or just go to nine nine cent store. Go to a food bank. <laughs> Go to food bank even better. <laughs> if your objective is to maximize your net worth, the fact is we all make trade-offs with our dollars. We all there's choices we make. There's choices we make on, on where we live. There's choice we make on when we retire. What and we what we drive, how we dress, where we eat. Further, there are choices we make in our investment portfolios. And some people they can't stand the ups and downs. They don't like the ups and downs of, of portfolios that fluctuate too much. They have enough money to afford the luxury of having secure portfolios. That's fine. Just like someone who chooses to go out to a fancy dinner and, and buy $100 bottles of wine, you can afford it, great, if that's what you want to do. So we all have choice, and I think what's important in the financial planning process is kind of understanding what your priorities are. If you're married, you're in your spouse's priorities, and then and develop a plan, uh, both a portfolio plan and a uh, spending plan around those things. And let's continue on with our calls. Again, to join the program, 833-99-WORTH is the number. Let's talk with Barbara. Barbara, you're with All Worth Money Matters. Thanks for taking my call. Hi, Barbara. I'm a single female ready to retire in May of 2020. And right now I have about 100 k in Roth IRAs. And I was wondering... Is it worthwhile contributing now in 2019 and 2020 as well to to the Roth? Do you have the money to do so? Yes. 100%. And where is the money that you're going to contribute? Um, I've recently gotten some inheritance funds. Yep, absolutely. 100%. I mean, think of it this way. If you were able to contribute as much money. If you were able to take those inherited dollars and throw them into a Roth IRA and avoid all future taxes, well, of course you'd do that, right? Right. But you can't. I guess so. But So you can do a little. So absolutely, I would contribute as the maximum uh, for 2019 and 2020. All righty. Okay. Any other questions and for us? Do you have any recommendations as to where how to make the Roth funds work for you? I, I do for myself, but I don't know you very well. Um, so I know how I would invest how, my dollars. Well, how, I, I, would, I would have it consistent with the rest of your portfolio. So how is the rest of your portfolio? Um, you may not have it consistent with the rest of her portfolio, Scott, because you don't know what the rest of the portfolio looks like. So how are your, <laughs> how are your dollars invested today? Well, that's just it. Um, I'm kind of in a quandary. I have retirement savings. I have Roth savings. And now I'll be getting inheritance funds. And this all ties into buying a house Barbara, soon. You need, you need a great financial advisor. You need to go see an advisor. Because you are what, six, what, months, you, six months away from retiring. And what you just described your holdings as are 
how they are positioned from a tax standpoint, not what the underlying investments. Regardless, were. even if you did, it, even if you were great, you've been doing stuff on your own forever, you've been killing it. You're still going to benefit. We're six months away from retirement. You're going to benefit from uh, uh, visiting with a good financial advisor, someone who specializes in helping people transition to retirement. You really will, because you'll go through all these things, and you'll, then you'll have a clear plan. You know, and high confidence. Scott, I'm going to, I'm going to. Attend one of our educational workshops. At a minimum. Go At to a minimum. Financial. Yes, I am signed up. Okay, good. We okay. Don't, you know, this show is not really designed to pitch ourselves, but... We uh, are in business, though. We are in business, yes. <laughs> right? We've got so, lots of advisors, great advisors, yeah, great yeah. certified financial planners. We specialize in retirement transition. We're passionate about this stuff, but we don't like to sit and, like, the last thing I want to do is... Well, someone calls turn it into an infomercial. So, correct. I mean, that's not by any means, so if someone calls them, I don't want to try to, you know, try to but convert she, them. Attend one of our workshops. Yeah, you got, I mean, you're going to And you'll you would benefit from... But to answer your question, absolutely contribute the maximum you can to a Roth IRA for this year and for 2020. Even if you were retiring on January the 1st of next year, I would still say contribute. Well, you wouldn't have enough wages. If you... Whatever you... Contribute the maximum you can for both tax years. Appreciate the call. You know, Scott, I... Uh, this last week, one night... Um, I read some reviews of our podcast. And? Have you ever done that? It's been a while. Yeah, so I read some review. Mostly favorable. Some are not quite so favorable. <laughs> like what? <laughs> no, like they promote themselves uh, was probably the number but, one. But I appreciate the free podcast. Y- yes. <laughs> <laughs> it's just manna from heaven. I don't know how it happens. All these great free podcasts, I don't know how it happens. Yeah, the production that goes into it. And, and we... we look. Sometimes we promote ourselves. We are a business. We do have payroll. Um, there is overhead associated <laughs> with uh, the business itself. If there was a way that um, we could do it another way and give away our services and support all the employees, I would explore that. <laughs> That's right. <laughs> <laughs> I would explore that. Uh, but the the radio show and podcast were a growth out of... The business. The business came before the radio and the podcast. So. <laughs> and frankly, had we not had our professional experience and continue to have our professional experience the show, in the business, we would... Yeah, the show wouldn't have, have any value because... We've what, heard, we hear some of those shows. Yeah, Yes, and what makes our... We believe makes our show a little unique is that we're practicing advisors. So it's not just theoretical from a book. It is actually practical. That's right. And there we go. So if you're going to, uh, you know, go write a review. Write, write a review if you, if you like the podcast at all. Yeah. Write a review. And the reason that is self-serving is because the more reviews we get, and the better reviews, the higher our ranking is, and the more people listen, and then it feeds on itself. That's right. Well, unfortunately, that is all the time we have in today's program. We are here at the same time, the same station every week. So make sure you tune in there. Also, if you haven't been to our website in a while, there's some great tools, great education, allworthfinancial.com. Enjoy the rest of your week, and this has been All Worth's Money Matters. This program has been brought to you by Allworth Financial, a registered investment advisory firm. Any ideas presented during this program are not intended to provide specific financial advice. You should consult your own financial advisor, tax consultant, or estate planning attorney to conduct your own due diligence.